Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 40. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. It's probably no surprise to you, as you can probably tell from my introduction, I am a big lover of personal development. And today we are gonna be diving into a super exciting, completely information-packed interview where we're gonna be talking about personal finance, (laughs) closely related to personal development, And we're gonna be diving into that topic today with one of the people I have loved following the most on Instagram in the past couple of months. She is so fascinating, has so much great information, and is just the sweetest person. Today we're gonna be interviewing Malia Gudenkoff. Malia is a millennial money coach, passionate about helping women conquer their finances through paying off debt, developing savings, and understanding the world of investing. By translating the old, boring, stuffy world of finance into young, fun, and relatable terms, Malia's mission is to educate and inspire women to build wealth on their own terms while living a life they truly love. No matter where you're at in the kind of finance knowledge continuum, we're going to be trying to meet you where you're at in this interview today, break down some of those maybe stuffy, complicated terms you've heard tossed around in just language that you can understand to deepen your financial knowledge. Or even if you're an old hand investor, no matter what you have in the bank, there's going to be something that you can take away from this interview today. And I am so excited for you to hear this interview with Malia of Little Miss Finance. Yeah, thank you so much for coming to share on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start off with having you share a little bit about your journey and everything that led you to where you are today? Sure. Okay. So my name is Malia, as Carly said, I also duly go by Little Miss Finance and <laughs> refer to me as both. I was speaking at a conference recently and the girl introducing me said, so do I uh, introduce you as Malia or as Little Miss Finance? I was like, either one. I respond to both. People call me both. (laughs) But I'm 26 years old and I'm a self-proclaimed financial educator. So about three years ago, my senior year of college, I stumbled across some personal finance courses on my college campus and went to every course and was like, wow, I'm mind blown. Like I need to know this stuff. I didn't know it. I know my friends don't know it. I don't don't think my family knows it. So I started talking to everyone and that kind of just snowballed into uh, thinking, okay, let me start a blog because I had accomplished some financial goals of paying off my student loans. Wanted to share that with people, wanted to just share the world of financial literacy. So the past three years have been a whirlwind of trying to build Little Miss Finance as a financial education business alongside growing in my career in my nine to five job as well. And also just trying to enjoy life. So that's a quick snip about, about me. I love that. I had a similar experience in my senior year of college too, when I came across financial resources and just feeling that exact same thing of Mm -hmm. no one knows this. Why is that? How have I gotten this far in life? How has everyone else gotten this far? And it's not part of the conventional discussion. Uh Uh-uh. I'm so excited to have you here to dive into a lot of those things. And going off of that idea, though, I have seen financial discussions, I feel like, evolve a lot from when I was a kid and growing up. Back then, it was a lot of paying off debt and budgeting. And now it seems like people are talking a lot more about building wealth and everything, retire early, all the kind of stuff that goes along with that. Yeah. So have you noticed a similar trend or is it just me getting older or why is this? (laughs) No, it is so funny you say that because I wondered the same thing about so much in life. I'm like, have I just not noticed this before (laughs) or am I just getting older? Like fashion trends that come back Mm -hmm. in style. 
I'm like, were we just young and thought that was the first time they were around or are we just getting older? I don't know, but you're so right. I think that our generation call it millennials or Gen Z even have like had the conversations and we'll go there with so many things in the workforce. Mm. We're changing it. And I feel like we'll just go there with the discussion and kind of dismantle some of the taboo around it. Everybody, um, opening up a little bit more, becoming a little bit more personal and real and acknowledging we don't know these things. And I think also alongside the shift of talking about budgeting to it, hey, let's talk about building wealth. Also, is just more dismantling of the patriarchy, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's shifting away from these gender norms I feel like we have around money, telling women, hey, budget your money, stop buying coffee to, hey, women, here's how you can actually invest and grow your money, be financially independent. So a culmination of so many things. And I think you're right that the conversation is shifting. Of course, there's still a ways to go, but it's really exciting to see, especially in young people and young women, all of it. Yeah, I totally agree. And now the conversation is much more around how can you have as much money as you want to buy as many coffees as you want? Exactly. Whatever else you want. Yes. Yes. No shame. If you love coffee (laughs) and love to spend $5 a day on it, that's a whole nother conversation, but no shame. Okay. So I'm sure that listeners are all over the financial spectrum of what they know and don't know and what their next steps are. But I want to dive into as many like little buckets of topics Mm -hmm. as we can today. So first of all, there's investing and building wealth, which is one side we have to admit. And then there's the side that is, I am in debt this much money when I would much rather have that much in my bank account. So before people begin to build that wealth, do they need to pay off their debt or should they be doing both at the same time? Yeah. Okay. Such a loaded question. And so good. Okay. So I let's start. I always money, personal finances are personal. Always Mm -hmm. say that. So everything is different for everyone. So from this conversation, take what feels good for you and feels could fit in your life or tweak it however you need and leave maybe what you don't like. I'm just here to give my take, but (laughs) I, there's definitely a level of foundation needed before flying straight into trying to build massive wealth and laying those foundational bricks or building those pillars are what's going to help set you up for the best success. So Paying off debt is definitely one of those prior activities that needs to happen that will help propel you forward. But on the same note, like both can happen at the same time. So here's what I always say. I always focus with people that I work with first on those foundational steps of, hey, let's build a budget and let's really control and understand and be aware of what's coming in versus what's going out. That is the most foundational aspect I feel of personal finances is controlling what I've got right now and where it's going and understanding that. Because so many of us in the first place, we cringe to open our bank account, our credit card statement, but we've got to start there, acknowledge it, not again, shame ourselves or feel that debt defines us, but use it as a starting place to go forward. So budgeting and then really working on paying off debt, which this aligns so closely to you. And I love it. I was just listening to your podcast on the calendar and like days to start is choose a day and choose a goal, but reverse engineer that goal Mm -hmm. of paying off debt to make it into a smaller bite-sized piece instead of looking at 60K of student loans and being like, I'm never going to get out of it. Like YOLO, everyone has this. So breaking it down, we can talk about that a little bit further and really focusing on those goals and that light at the end of the tunnel, that goal lays out as a path. But simultaneously building wealth comes through investing and the younger we can start, there's, it's never too late to start, but the more time we have, we know is better. While I wouldn't recommend 
putting everything extra you've got towards investing if you're working on debt, I would recommend starting. So in the terms of investing your employer match with your 401k or 20 bucks a month in a Roth IRA. And I know I'm throwing words out there that we can back up on, but just the concept of you can start today with $5, start building and flexing that muscle that you are an investor Mm -hmm. and do that alongside paying off debt. And once you pay off the debt, you can really ramp that up. So I definitely just put everyone through a pinball machine, but a little bit of both, but focus on those foundational pieces first to really set yourself up for long-term success. Yeah, that's great. So if people have paid off their debt or they're working on that, and they also want to get started on the investing piece, what, what does that look like? Yes. It's so, I think overwhelming. And as women, we hear the word and we're like, okay, great. I know I'm supposed to invest to build wealth. Exactly. We're talking about It's like, but what's next? What does that mean? Where, when, how much? So in the simplest terms, a lot of us are working in nine to five job and we have an employer that gives us benefits. One of those benefits is called a 401k account. And it's an investment account that our employer offers us to contribute to if we work for them. Something as simple as talking to your HR or logging into your benefits at your work if you can, and increasing that percentage that comes directly out of your paycheck. So that's a location, a 401k account that you can contribute money to, to begin investing. If you don't have that, what we call an IRA or an individual retirement account, as long as you're earning money, you pay taxes, you're eligible for that account. You can go get that on your own. And it's just like opening a checking account. I'm going to go decide what brokerage do I want to use? Like I would decide which bank I want to open my checking account at. A few I always recommend are Fidelity or Vanguard. And then you open that IRA, just like you, again, a checking account, giving your personal information, probably your social, that sort of thing. And I've got the account open. So from there, you set up a link to your bank account and you put money into the account and then take the final step to choose what investment you want to put that money in. So those are two things off the bat. The internet is full of resources to help you take those all a step further as well. And we can talk about it, but 401k or IRA are a great place to get that snowball starting to roll with investing your money. Yeah, those are great. And thank you for walking through like step-by-step. This is exactly what you do. I think the most intimidating part of that for people is the like choosing of investment. because The, the right. final step. Yes, yeah. it's in the account and then you have a myriad of choices. Uh-huh. Yeah. So is it just through research that you determine what is the best option for you? Yeah. Okay. So you're completely right. We can go as far as we did and people still say, great, I get it, but I need <laughs> that final step. And that is the most important because where you invest your money is going to determine the wealth you build. And the most overwhelming piece of it, and I think the piece that discourages people from thinking they can handle it on their own, is all of the noise out there around investing. Right. It is on Instagram, it's on TikTok, it's mm-hmm. on CNN, it's at your family gathering, it's everywhere. And everyone's got their opinion and everyone's talking, and the market's dropping and panic, like just all of these things. And it's like, holy crap, like how am I ever supposed to manage this on my own? But when we get down to what we know from research and investment returns, actually becomes incredibly simple and straightforward. So I love to read books and I feel like that's where a vast majority of my knowledge of investing has come from. So one of my favorites is The Little Book of Common Sense Investing Mm. by John Bogle. It's a little red book. If you Google it, you'll find it. And what I've learned through like my experience investing and research is that one of the simplest ways to invest is through what we call an index fund. 
And the best way to describe it is basically a basket of individual stocks. So with my $10, I can go buy this index fund, which has several individual stocks inside of it. And so right now with my $10, my one purchase, I have just invested in maybe 500 different companies. And what we know about investing without getting like too deep in the weeds is that immediately diversifies me. If one company doesn't do well, there's 499 other companies mm -hmm. in this pot. Um, and it's the best way to see returns at a lowest cost over a long period of time. So index funds, I would suggest, um, again, I'm not a financial advisor. I just want to give things for educational <laughs> purposes only. So always do your own research to make your own confident decisions. But I would consider checking out index funds. They're a really straightforward way to invest in your money over the long term and see good growth of it. That's so helpful because I think that's a term that people hear just all around them in the world. But if you mm -hmm. don't know what that means, it can just feel like one of those words that is out there and yeah, you never Google it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And I'll just, there are so many resources again on the internet, whether I said I'm a book person, some people might be like, Oh, I don't want to read a book. There are <laughs> podcasts, there are YouTube videos, there are mm -hmm. blogs. You can find it all out there if you're setting forth and determined to do that. Yes. That's so true. So the next step I think is if you are invested, you've started that process, move the money into index funds or whatever you mm -hmm. determine is right for you. And you can get to that phase. I think where you like set it and forget it because yes. you have your automatic deposits and everything. But then the next phase is, do you need to do anything then? Do you need to change your investment strategy over time? Mm, yes. Okay. I love this conversation. So absolutely talk about goal setting, resolution, all those things. I was just on a call last night talking to someone and he was not investing as much as he wanted to because he was doing it all manually. And I was like, why not automate it? And we know personal finances are the numbers it's math, but it's also way more behavioral as is so many things in life. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, so let's dive into what's going on behind the scenes instead of me just being like, obviously just do this. But we got to the discussion of, okay, automate it, set it and forget it. You're budgeting your money. That's good to go over there. All that sort of stuff. But automating is huge. It's a set of forget it. So it's okay. So do I literally not touch it for the next 40 years <laughs> and, or whatever your timeline might be. And honestly, I do recommend for a lot of people I work with for younger, we've got a lot of time ahead yeah. of us until we're going to tap into that money. So I'm like, don't look at it because we know the stock market is going to go up and down right now. This year, we're all losing money. Most of us in the stock market, but we know that happens. It dips. We always talk about zoomed out perspective. The stock market is like a slinky going upstairs. So there are up and downs in the zoomed in, but mm -hmm. zoom out. It's like a slinky going upstairs. So I say, don't look at it because I'm not going to panic right now for what's happening when I've got 40 years ahead of me for right. my money to continue mm -hmm. to bounce back. But one thing we do need to know is that as we get closer to that age, we want to tap into that money. We've got to be aware of our risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. So right now we're so far away from that, that our risk tolerance might be a little bit higher and everyone's risk tolerance is different. It's what allows you to sleep at night, to put your head <laughs> on the pillow and close your eyes. But while we're younger, we can take on a lot more risk because we've got a lot more time to recover. So maybe mm -hmm. that looks like investing my $10,000 in 90% stocks and 10% bonds. But as we get closer to that age and say, I, I set my automatic investment, it happens every month and I don't touch it. As I inch towards that age, maybe every three to five years as I'm younger, and then maybe every year as I get closer to retirement, I need to make sure I'm balancing that money appropriately to reflect 
my risk tolerance. As I get closer, I might want more money in bonds because they're less risky and less money in stock. So that's on me to go in and make that change in my account, which I know for some people, again, it's okay. A minute ago, I felt like I got this open an IRA, do index funds, but now you're telling me I need to go like manage it a step further. And for that, I say there are, it's one of my clients. She laughs so hard when I call it the big kahuna of index funds, (laughs) but it's basically an index fund that holds stocks and bonds. And it's called the target date fund. So you're telling it your target retirement date. So for me, today's 2022, maybe I want to retire in 40 years. So that puts me roughly around uh, year 2060. They are there in five-year increments. That fund is going to say, hey, this person wants to retire in 2060. And when I invest in it today, it says, hey, 2060 is 38 years away from today. So in this fund, hold a lot more stocks than bonds. But that target date's always going to stay the same. And today is going to inch closer to that date. And as we currently inch closer to 2060, it's going to say, hey, this person's getting closer to their target date. So reallocate the money that they have in stocks and bonds for them. Mm. So it is truly a set it and forget it for fund. It does it for you at a very low cost. And yeah, it's the perfect, I would say, starter fund for people who are like, okay, Mm. I think I want to do this my own. I don't want to be too overwhelmed. Target date fund is where it's at. (laughs) That's so much good information. (laughs) Okay. And now I have a list of like other financial topics that I would love to touch on um, before we move into the next round. Yeah. So the first one, it's not on your list, but individual stocks, because we talked about index funds where you can buy a whole bunch. When, if ever, should you just buy individual stocks? Yeah. So again, just my own personal opinions for educational purposes. I will be completely honest, sorry, that I don't hold or invest in any individual stocks right now. I'm not saying that's bad. That's just where I'm at. If I were to, and I probably will in the future, I will probably hold less than five, probably around 5% of my money in individual stocks. So say I had again, um, hundred dollars invested. Maybe each $100 I put in, I use five of that to buy an individual stock because I really like Facebook and I want to invest in them. And it seems like all the hype. I think that's totally fine, but I'm not about putting 100% of my retirement and wealth building money on the back of a single right. company. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what's happening today, we all know what happened with Enron in the past. And if you don't know Enron, go Google it or watch the movie. <laughs> but it's just a perfect example of how companies that, seem to be doing amazing on the mm-hmm. outside can completely fall. And if hundred percent of your money is invested in that you fall with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about diversification, but if we want to invest in individual stocks, I just recommend keeping that a lower percentage, definitely personally below 10% of my portfolio, I would hold an individual stocks. I also would say that if you want to invest in individual stocks or crypto, say on a different account outside of your IRA or 401k, Use that as like discretionary money. Like just like I might go use a hundred dollars and shop at Target or something. If you if that's your fun money, go do that. If you're willing to lose it, and technically we can lose money in the stock market, we know that. But when going down that path of things of individual stocks, crypto, which is way more volatile, treat it as like disposable income that you would, you have your wealth building journey over here, maybe inside your retirement accounts, do that over here. And that's great. But I just would strongly urge against making that your hundred percent, your path to building wealth on the back of one company or 
one asset class or whatever that might be. So that leads to another topic, cryptocurrency. So just Mm -hmm. generally the same thing, it sounds. Yeah, I would say the same thing. And again, I'll be the first to admit that I still have a ton of learning to do around cryptocurrency. I don't invest in it right now. Not to say that I never will. I probably will. But I'm an index fund gal through and through. So all of my money that I'm investing right now is in index funds in my 401k and IRAs. And that's where I've started. And since again, we know time is a huge asset to building wealth. I've really used like the beginning of my career and my earnings to build that kind of nest egg to grow over time. And it will allow for more opportunity down the road. But yeah, Hmm. that's where I'm at right now and what I have to say. (laughs) And then back in like the realm of budgeting, at least that's what I associate this with, but emergency funds. That's something I know you've talked a bit about on your platform, but you can you Uh give us like the rundown on emergency? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so- Again, back to one of the first things we talked about paying off debt is there are those foundational pieces that you've got to conquer before heading off full steam ahead into the world of investing and all these other things. An emergency fund is one of those things. And at its core, an emergency fund is money set aside as that blanket of protection when something might happen with a car. I might have um, a medical emergency whatever it may be, the worst emergency, losing a job or an income, we've got to set ourselves up for success or to lessen that financial stress on top of an already stressful situation by having an emergency fund set aside. Okay, great. Get that conceptually. A lot of people recommend if you're in debt, start with just a, what we call a mini emergency fund. Maybe that's one month of your living expenses. So again, if you lost your job, you have one month of expenses set aside if you needed that entire time to go figure out what's next. If you're out of debt, build that up a little bit more, maybe three to six months of emergency fund. And again, these are all just benchmarks or targets. Mm -hmm. Personal finance is personal. You do what feels good for you and allows you to sleep at night. But emergency fund, set it aside, build it up. Once you've reached that goal, great. You don't have to keep contributing to that. There's where you can shift your focus towards paying off debt or investing more, but it's gotta be what comes absolutely first before going ham on your other goals. Because if not, we're in a vicious cycle of I'm paying off debt and paying off debt. Oops, emergency, everything back on my credit card. Cause I don't have money. And now I'm just in this circular reference of trying to scramble my way out of poorly managed finances. Okay. One more topic is something you mentioned a little bit earlier, but the difference between Roth and traditional investing. Okay. So back on the topic of investing, we talked about the accounts 401k or IRA. Those are the accounts. The word Roth and traditional, I always say are just adjectives to describe when you're paying taxes on the money you're investing. So you could have a Roth 401k or a traditional 401k. You could have a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. Those words are just describing when I put the money in the account and paying taxes later. And so in the simplest terms, traditional is saying it's tax deferred money. If I invest $2,000 this year in my traditional 401k, that is $2,000 I am not paying taxes on this year. I will pay those taxes on that money when I go and take it out of that traditional account 40 years down the line. And Roth is just the opposite. It's saying, I will pay taxes today. I'll invest the 2000. I'll pay taxes on that. And in return, I won't pay it in the future. Mm -hmm. So it's really deciding today or future, are you paying taxes? 
traditional is saying I'll pay him in the future. Roth is saying I'll pay him today. I, again, personally, to be fully transparent, invest in Roth accounts. I see more of a benefit for my personal situation and my level of income today to just pay the taxes today and have all of that be tax-free in the future. But there is absolutely like no wrong answer. Sure, there's a more strategic answer for your situation. (laughs) But I find people in the situation of being in the analysis paralysis of what's better that they don't do either. Right. So nothing is permanent. You can change down the road. You can change tomorrow. Yeah. Just get started with one of them. Yeah. I'm team Roth too. <laughs> cool. How have you taken your money mindset to the next level? Oh, that's a really good question. My mind's going to a million places. Well, I know lots of education. That's one of the things. Yes. And I know people say this all the time, but becoming a teacher of something makes you like the best learner or what right. do you, you know what phrase I'm trying to say? Yeah. I, I, know. I know what you're getting at. There are so many things that people will ask me even in one-on-one work together. And I'll be like, you know, that's a great question. I don't know either. I'll go find it. I'll research it and I'll talk about it. So teaching people and constantly showing up on social media, trying to share new things or working with one-on-one clients challenged me to excel and grow every single day and learn things that I might've not otherwise wondered myself or stumbled across like all of those things. So I think becoming a teacher and the way that everyone can do that, whether you have a platform or business, like you don't have to have that to be a teacher is talk to a friend about something. Mm-hmm. Do you see something on my page or another person's page that you follow? That's interesting. Go talk to a friend about it. And that also starts to dismantle the taboo we ha- right. all have around talking about money and odds are they're probably like, wow, yeah, maybe I'm struggling too. That's interesting. We all think that we're scared to talk about it because we're scared of other people judging us when most often those people are all in the same situation. We're just, none of us are talking about it. So none of us know that. So I would just encourage everyone to talk about it, learn together, bring a friend along with you. And that just in itself will take you to the next level, learning and growing and all of that. And that's how we all rise together. Cause just like you and I felt alone, like why isn't everyone else talking about this or learning this or doing this with their money? Uh When we can share what we're doing with those people around us, then they're going to feel compelled to do the same, or at least hopefully come with us on our money. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So, so much about what we do is based on what we believe about ourselves and the world. And in this realm, like what we believe about making money and saving money and investing money. So do you have any beliefs around money that you wish other people shared as well? I, I think a lot of people have, and I fall victim to it too, a scarcity mindset around money. And Mm -hmm. that is acknowledging there are so many injustices in the world and underprivileged people that that mindset is like rightfully there deeply rooted. But I wish that I don't want to say pull yourself up by the bootstraps, but there are so many opportunities to earn money Mm. in this world and to do it, doing something that you're truly passionate about. So stepping out of, and maybe it's going to therapy or it's journaling and it's the deeper inner work to uncover why you have those feelings and those beliefs and trying to pull yourself out of them, positive self-talk, like all of that, to take yourself into a different mindset about the abundance of money and opportunity and that it's not the root of of eat all evil. There are so many amazing things that you can do when you are financially literate, when you are financially independent, helping up just all of it. So I would say the, the scarcity mindset around money and the work to exit that mindset is something I'm constantly working on. And I wish for everyone. 
Right. And it is so much a process because even when you have worked on it, I know I have, it's easy to slip back into, especially lifelong journey, especially when you're surrounded by society and people that a lot of people fall victim to it, but you can, you can work through it and you can get to the other side. Constant effort. (laughs) Okay. Last question in this round. What is your favorite piece of financial advice that maybe we haven't talked about? Yes. I, you did give me some questions beforehand. I looked at this one and I'm like, dang it, another loaded question. <laughs> I honestly, when it comes to investing, that's something I'm most passionate about because I think most women like just don't feel the confidence or competence to invest on their own. So I guess the just advice, and I know this is very like, hoorah, you got it, but you absolutely have it within you to understand investing and be successful at it. I know so many of us feel the exact opposite of that, but it is a hundred percent within reach and feasible for you. And it is life-changing when you have that knowledge and that education. Mm -hmm. So investing is within reach and it's within reach to understand it and feel educated about it. I know that was a sidestep to the question, but No, but very important. If you're going to take action on any of that, like that's the foundation. Yeah, I think. And then one one other thing, which isn't also advice, but just like food for thought is we think about personal finances. We think about money. We think about numbers and step one, two, three, four. But we know money is so behavioral. Again, like Mm. I said, with so many things in life. So understand that and have grace with yourself. And again, just continue to do as much as you can, the inner and deeper work to understand why you're making the decisions you are, because that will propel you forward to so much more success than constantly beating yourself up about why can't I budget or that sort of thing. So just understanding that it is so behavioral and recognizing that where you can. That's so good. Okay. We're going to dive into the resolution round. Um, talk about goals and resolutions. So first of all, do you set goals or resolutions? And if so, what is that process like for you? Yes. I love to set goals. And I, I was listening, like I was saying, just to your podcast earlier about the dates. And it just had me thinking about, there's truly so many opportunities to say, you know, fresh yes. start. I'm going to set some goals, all that sort of thing. I think goals for me, I get really overwhelmed. One of the questions I hate the most, <laughs> hate is a strong word, don't hate it, but dislike the most in like interviews or anything is like, what's your five-year plan or something mm. like that. I'm like, I don't know. Like we should <laughs> ban that question. It right? is like, way too overwhelming. I have no idea what I'm having for dinner tomorrow night, let alone where I see myself in five years. Love and anyone that's worked with me has this seared into their brain. I love to reverse engineer my goals. Mm -hmm. So again, when it comes to investing, paying off debt, whatever it is, instead of standing at the bottom of the mountain and figuring out how to get to the peak, figuring out how am I taking that first step? So in the world of debt, if I've got 60K of those student loans, instead of figuring out how am I paying off 60K, maybe I'm looking at my first loan because a lot of times our loans are taken out by semester. So of that 60 K, I might have eight loans that are each $5,000 or something like that. I'm going to look at that first one, maybe that I want to work on and say, okay, how do I pay off five grand or how do I pay off um, a grand of it? And just constantly reverse engineering things to get to the point of what do I need to today or this week, as opposed to what do I need to do to pay off 60 K. Right. So just breaking it down as much as possible and then automating where you can to have that accountability and keep you on track. I financially, one of my favorite metrics of like kind of goal reflection and setting is called your net worth. So it's talking about everything that I own, my investments, the value of my house, the value of my car, savings, less everything I owe, less my debt, less what I owe on my house, less what I owe on my car. 
less what I owe on credit cards. And that is the ultimate indicator of our wealth. Mm -hmm. It's what's left at the end of the day after I pay everyone that I need to. And so I track that on a quarterly basis, which is really fun to watch it grow and see your progress taking place when sometimes you're in the thick of the weeds and you feel like you're not going anywhere. So that's a quarterly routine for kind of goal setting and reflection that is based on personal finance that I really love to do too, but reverse engineering is my absolute favorite. (laughs) I love that too, because you said just a couple years ago when you were senior in college and you really discovered all of this stuff that's really led you to where you are, you would have had Mm -hmm. no idea that in just a couple of years, you were going to be here much less where you're going to be in a couple more years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What is the biggest resolution or goal that you've set and completed? I would say financially it was paying off my student loans. I was Mm. able to knock out 20 K in 10 months um, upon graduation. So that was really exciting. And I moved home. I know a lot of people immediately owned it. Oh my gosh, how the heck did you do that? I was making, I think like 52 K. So it was a great job out of college, but um, wasn't earning six figures by any means or something like that. But I moved home. I postponed some of the bigger financial decisions, like purchasing a car, moving into apartment, all that sort of thing. And got really intentional about what I enjoyed spending my money on and what didn't bring me that same happiness. And so what I enjoy spending my money on is travel. So I still did a lot of traveling even while I was paying off debt, but I recognized the other areas that I wasn't so keen on spending my money on budgeted and paid off my student loans. And that was like, what kind of was an opportunity or outlet to create little misfinance and say, Hey, I accomplished this. Here's what I've been doing. Here's what I've been learning that sort of thing. So that was really a pivotal uh, moment for me. And I would say one of my biggest accomplishments. That's so great. And what goal are you working on now? Oh, so many, I would say (laughs) kind of the next journey in my wealth building career has been investing in real estate. So it's a whole new, it's a whole new path. And my younger sister, Grace has really been the trailblazer, like in my family of teaching us all how to invest in real estate and helping me along the way. That's a kind of, that's a very like general goal, but just another outlet of building wealth. Cause we talk about investing all the time, 401k IRA, but again, zooming out and realizing there's multiple paths, building a business, investing in real estate, so many options to build that long-term wealth. So just another arm of my wealth building journey that I'm trying to figure out. That's so good. Okay. Every week on the podcast, we encourage listeners to resolve to consider something or experiment or take some action. So what would you encourage listeners resolve to do? I think back to a very foundational step that everyone can do is tracking their spending. And it sounds so, so simple, but it is so eye-opening and brings so much awareness to our situation. And I know most people cringe when I work with people, they're like, Oh, do I have, yes. (laughs) again, this is not like, you are not defined by your debt. You are not, I'm not shaming you by your spending by any means. I just want full awareness to where money is going. So it's Mm -hmm. as simple as going and grabbing that credit card statement, debit card statement, whatever forms of spending you use. And if you want to take a highlighter, do a sheet of paper or an Excel sheet, putting them into buckets so we can see on a high level, how much am I spending on housing, on transportation, on food, on entertainment, on clothes, on travel, all that sort of thing. And from there, you can decide how you want to pivot and maybe some goals you want to set moving forward. I think a resistance to that is a lot of people don't want to be told like you have to give this up or you have to sacrifice Mm -hmm. all these things to have success. And that's not it. I veer more towards an approach of conscious spending. So it's saying, okay, let's look at all these areas where your money is going and 
simple exercise. Let's put a one to 10 happiness scale to each of them. How much fulfillment and satisfaction and long-term gratification does spending in this area give you? And for the areas that are really high, like for me, that was travel. I still prioritize that when paying off debt, when investing all of these things. But I realize the other areas, which are just personal to me, like eating out, I was like, okay, great, but I don't really care. And so I got really conscious about spending less money there to propel me towards my goals. So that alleviates any shame or judgment from anyone. I mm-hmm. do not care what you spend your money on. There is no right or wrong answer. But no, I want it to you to be the most conscious and most important. So tracking your spending and doing that exercise of conscious spending is a really foundational step if you're looking to just wrap your arms around your finances right now and get started in some way, shape or form. Well, and it's such a good like metric to use to check back in because I'm sure we've all done it at one time or another. And no matter where you are in your financial journey or your investing journey or your wealth building journey, it's so interesting to do that again. And you can just use it as a litmus test to see like, where am I spending in line with my goals and the way I want to live and what I actually enjoy most? Because you can realize, like you said, wait, I actually have so much more money I could spend on this thing I actually care about by spending a little less over here. Yeah. I, I preach that personal finances and financial literacy and your wealth, all of this is aiming to find realistic and sustainable solutions. So it's never about complete restriction, which parallels to the health and fitness world so much Mm -hmm. that leads to burnout, all these things. We're trying to find that constant balance of everything, of enjoying life, but also reaching goals and all that sort of thing. All the things. (laughs) All the things. (laughs) Okay. To wrap up, I have some confetti questions just for fun so we can get to know you a little better. I love it. What time do you get up? I aim to get up around six every day and work out. Mm, I'm human. Sometimes the alarm results in a snooze and I'm tired. But <laughs> I find that when I have that routine, I always have the best day. So yeah. When do you do your best work? In the morning. Again, mm-hmm. like I, if that routine happens, I am productive. I just find after work and a result of working nine to five and working a job is I'm just beat after work. So right. morning is my time. Yes. To <laughs> I totally get that. I'm the same way. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you've been given? Something that comes to mind first is like a quote, which is a little cheesy, but I truly love it. And it's nothing is impossible because the word is impossible. Mm. And it just parallels with so much that I believe in life. And I can live with the regret of trying something new and failing as opposed to never trying and wondering what if. Mm. So if I could give that advice to others, I think that is so crucial to go for something you want to do. And if you fail, that's great. Then you tried it. That is a success in itself. Yeah. So Yeah. Because that's more information and data, kind of like with the tracking your spending. Like if you've tried it, you know, it works or it doesn't work, or I should try it again this way. And if you don't try it, you have none of that information. And you're constantly wondering, going to live your whole life, wondering what if, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And that is hard to live with. (laughs) That's a no. (laughs) What do you do to rest? I'm not much of a nap taker, which I feel like is the first like thing that comes to mind, (laughs) mostly because I just resist because I'm like, I always feel more tired from a nap, (laughs) but I love to honestly hang out and read. I feel Mm -hmm. like whether it's like laying on our porch or just on the couch and slowing down, putting phone down, reading a book. I, I love that. Beautiful. Favorite beverage. I love matcha lattes. I love matcha. And I also in the evening, love a Moscow mule so (laughs) morning and night (laughs) yes we all need our morning and our night (laughs) favorite tv show 
Schitt's Creek. Yes, that's a good one. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Book that has had the greatest impact on your life. I just am sending this book to a few of my clients right now. It's called Your Money or Your Life. So it's finance related, but it's truly parallel with, I would say like a self-help type book. It's so good. I think everyone should read it. What book are you currently reading? Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. I'm looking at oh, yes. right now. It's a good yeah, one. That is a good one. Yeah. What is a win that you're currently celebrating that we can toast with you? I recently got a raise in my job, which I was super excited Yay. about. So thank you for that. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes, that's thank definitely you. toastworthy. And where can people go to find more information about you and your work and all the amazing things you're doing? Sure. So I would say I hang out most on Instagram. It's at Little Miss Finance. I'm also on TikTok at the same handle. And then I've got a website if you're interested in a little bit more. It's the littlemissfinance.com. But on social media, you'll find me and I'd love to connect with you all there. Yes. I love it. Amelia, thank you so much for coming to share so much information and so much good and important information. Thanks for having me, Carly. And that's a wrap on my interview with Malia of Little Miss Finance. I hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I like to think of myself as being pretty financially literate, but there were certainly things that I took away from this interview today that I'm going to be applying to my own financial life. Of course, like she said, personal finance is personal and a derivative of that is personal development is personal. So whatever the next step may be for you after the interview today, I just hope that you will take it and maybe start with that resolve too of examining your finances just to get a complete picture of where you're at. Just like with analyzing our thoughts and working on our mindset, in order to do that, we really have to examine first what it is we're already thinking and believing about ourselves and our goals in the world. And so it makes complete sense that the first place we need to start in our finances is to examine exactly where they're at. Because if we don't know where we are, we really can't determine where it is we want to go or even, and especially not how to get there. So take that advice from Malia, that resolve to, and everything else that she shared in today's episode, as you work to take your personal finance to wherever it is you want it to go. And with that, thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytisano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.